Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be on this place that your hand has outlined has outlined for the worship of your holy name and so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us in the name of jesus christ may in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil illnesses poverty death demonic dependencies all forms of fears destruction covetousness, stagnancy, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arcadia into your divine arms, we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed and you may be seated. A familiar place of scripture to all of us. This is the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man, which was created according to God, into righteousness and holiness of truth. In short words, there is a lot that is said. As we can, as we know, we for many years are studying and being immersed into this revelation which the Lord had given to his apostle, to our pastor, for the purpose of preparing the people of God to those events that will follow. We know that in Scripture, there is a word that God does nothing on earth, not having revealed the mystery to his servants. And it is the mercy of God in the fact that we have we have the opportunity to draw close to this mystery and to be immersed into this mystery to penetrate deeply into this mystery and in the present time we having penetrated into this mystery being having been clothed in it we are called to be affirmed in this mystery so that God can fulfill that which He has, which He is doing on earth, so that He can fulfill it in us. That's why it is written, Brothers, make firm your calling and election, having been affirmed in this word, making it firm, unshakable, and in doing so, you shall never stumble, and in doing so, an entrance will be opened to you into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Three verbs which we are constantly focusing our attention on. This is to set aside our former way of life, 
the deceitful lust way of life, to be renewed by the spirit of our mind, and to be clothed into the new man, so that as a result we can be clothed in the resurrection of Christ into the life of God. Isaiah 61 verses 10 through 11 I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. This is the reaction of those who understand and realize that God has given them and has uncovered His mystery, has allowed them has allowed them to step into the, this beauty, this depth, having been immersed into this revelation. And the result will be this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud and the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. And this will be expressed in these garments, which is the linen pure and bright, which is the righteousness of saints. To be clothed in this garment pastor according to this place of scripture in isaiah 61 as well as other places of scripture these seven principles of being clothed this is to be clothed in the garments of salvation first second to be covered with the robe of righteousness the justice of god third covered uh, decked with the ornaments of a bridegroom adorned with the jewels of a bride adorned with wedding garments and putting on the linen that is pure and bright and having accepted the representative power of Yahweh of hosts and we have stopped to study the robe of righteousness and impart the measure of that price for which which we must pay a price for in order to be clothed in the robes of righteousness and we have stopped to study the seventh price the price for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness in order to practice the justice of God is being clothed in redemption that is yielded in the observance of the Pesach of the Lord according to the statute established by God. We are talking about being clothed in redemption. We are waiting for the redemption of our body. We are waiting and longing for this. We are continually thinking about this. We strive in order to be clothed into this redemption. And the Lord has promised that this will happen in time before He will rapture us. And we wait for this. Here are some conditions of observing the Pesach feast according to the statute established by God. I will remind you that the Pesach feast was meant by God to become the blessed fate to all of those who come to Him. God had planned this not according to the circumstances, but it was His plan. The earth was not even created yet, but the Pesach, Pesach was pierced even before the creation of the world. And why was he pierced? This blessed, this is the blessed fate of all of those who come to God, in which God received the opportunity to practice judgment over his enemies who persecute his chosen remnant. God has enemies, and he wants to fulfill his judgment over these enemies. And the essence of the inherited promises contained in the Pesach feast, or rather the definition, is in the legal right to leave out of Egypt. We were born slaves in Egypt, and this symbolizes our right to freedom from the vain life of our fathers or a sinful inheritance that has been given to us through the perishable seed of our fathers.
Our fathers were born in Egypt. Our grandfathers lived in Egypt. Our great-great-great-grandfathers lived in Egypt. And we were born in Egypt. We were born in this decay, in the state of decay in which people grow old, perish, and don't know a way out. And it is passed along to us through the vain seed of our forefathers. Second, the legal right to entering into the promised land. So through Pesach, through observing this, without observation of Pesach, they couldn't leave Egypt. Nobody would have let them out. And it symbolizes the right to partake to the inheritance of saints. So the promise of God, the land, the promised land that serves as the promise, as Apostle Paul wrote in one of his letters, the hope of eternal life, which God has promised was unchanging in his word before the creation of the world. This eternal life contains in itself the blessing of God. It is a life with abundance. It, a, it is a bountiful life. It is a sinful life in Christ Jesus. It is life in the richness of God. And God has promised it before the creation of time. He has prepared this life before the creation of the world. Third, the legal right to know God and to be perfected in the image of His Son in the process of our communication with Him. Somebody who is perishable, sinful, through touching of the Lamb, through partaking and observing of the Lamb, he begins to be perfected, to come to perfection, to know God, communicating with God and dwelling in His Word. In doing so, He is transformed into the image of God, and He becomes just as the image of God. And fourth, in the legal right to prepare oneself for rapture upon the morning star and in the right to rapture itself. It is the legal right. This is like the key. The key is used to open what is this next step, to enter, to enter into the limits of this inheritance of God. In the purposes of observing Pesach, which yield our inheritance and fate in Christ Jesus, we receive or we gain, we inherit first protection from the just anger of God with simultaneous bringing to the judgment of God fulfill, to fulfillment over our enemies. We gain the legal right to partake to the body and blood of the Lord in the face of the heavenly Jerusalem. We gain the right to declare the death of the Lord so that in His resurrection we can triumph over sin and we are exchanged in fates with Him because it is during the worthy partaking of Pesach the blessed fate of the Son of God becomes our fate and our curse becomes His Fourth, we gain freedom from slavery unto Egypt, which also became possible thanks to worthy partaking of Pesach. It is written, we were slaves of different origins. We lived in a kind of state, not even understanding that we are living in slavery. But the Lord frees through observance of Pesach. He frees us from these lusts and from different kinds of joys that are slavery. It is said, all things are allowed to me, but nothing should have dominion over me. A person, in this case, 
has some kind of hobbies. We talk about some kind of hobbies, some kind of tasks or things. And he says, I see no other way out. But the commandment tells us this. But he says, well, I'm used to this particular hobby. And so through observing a PASIC, we become free, free from these kinds of lusts and different kinds of hobbies and tasks. We have we gain the right to healing from illnesses. That is, is written Psalms 104-37. He also brought out the Israelites, and there was none feeble among his tribes. That doesn't mean that they were not sick in Egypt. But God, when they came out, they believed and they were baptized into Moses. And God had healed them through the observance of this Pesach feast. Six, we gain the right to becoming enriched in God, which also happens through the result of our worthy partaking of Pesach. We're talking about the richness of faith here. And seventh, we gain the right for the legal right to have the land in which flows milk and honey. This list can continue on, but seven is fullness. We gain through partaking of Pesach according to the statute. We gain a certain fullness in God. And for these treasures of the Pesach feast to become a reality for us, Scripture imputed to us and the need to pay a certain price, ten conditions that are written in the twelfth chapter of the book of Exodus. This is first to separate the Pesach lamb, to remove all leaven from the home, third, to sprinkle the blood on the doorpost and the lentils of the doorpost, to bake the whole lamb in fire, five, to gird oneself with a sash, six, to put shoes on the feet, seven, to take a staff in the hand, eight, to eat the whole lamb holy, and ninth, to eat it with bitter herbs, and ten, to eat the lamb with haste. I will remind you that the first condition, first condition talked about the requirement that it had to be one year old, the lamb had to be one year old, the male gender, and without blemish. We talked about the how the male gender points to the fact that we have died to the authority of the old man. When a person refuses to submit to Submit to the old man. One year old, this means that this person is led by the Holy Spirit. He has entered into the year of the redeemed and has become a part of the body of Christ. And this is the year of the redeemed, one year old. It points to being led by the Holy Spirit. And he had to be without blemish. We become blameless or unblemished through faith. By faith, we accept this blamelessness and justification as a gift according to grace, irregardless of the works of the law. The second condition or requirement needed for partaking of Pesach, it was necessary to remove all leaven from the home and to prepare the breads. Leaven is that all that is fleshly. To remove all that is fleshly, or rather, more specifically, fleshly thoughts. To remove from our home, we are the dwelling of God. To remove from our essence all lies. Leaven are those things that are lies. When a person in his infancy, he leavens his human thinking, and we ought to labor so that we can 
get the pure get pure flower that means we have to get the pure teaching and apply it in our life we having a tendency when we have been born of god having been infants and carnal we try to interpret this word of god according to our own ways how we see fit and sometimes we had gathered at cell groups and we'd say brothers and sisters who understood this truth how and you know sometimes you might hear such such a version that you don't even know how to really act and i as a leader think i need to stop a person when a person says the lord to open this to me through the words of pastor and you know he went totally in a different direction and i don't want to offend him before everyone to do but to stop him carefully and i had a dilemma in this well, how do I fix this situation? Because clearly he's going in the wrong direction. Or maybe I don't understand something or, or what. But, you know, this was before. But right now, I don't observe this or see this. This means that the Lord has grown us and give us the capability to observe the statute of the Lord. Everyone understands things the same. And and we all fulfill 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 this what we heard and none of what we say resist the other because we have learned to not leaven this word of God with our own interpretation with our own understanding the third condition or requirement for partaking Pesach was was sprinkling the blood of the pierced lamb the doors and the the doorpost of the door we talked about the strongest protection on the earth from all kinds of darkness and protection from God we hide ourselves in him from the anger God has said everything falls under my anger all have sinned and all are deprived of the glory of God but the only thing that does not through which I will skip over as a hurdle if I see the blood on the lentil and the doorpost of the door then I will skip over and not plague this household in a sense this is a temporary state of ours but you know this is the deposit of salvation God gives a deposit and he says now use it or rather apply it to circulation the blood of the lamb you have redeemed us we say the fourth condition or requirement was baking the lamb fully in fire a person has to be tested he has to understand that he has to pass through the fire so, te- the temptation of fire as it is written when a person says well what if we are gods or what if God is with us well then why is this happening to me or why is a certain event circumstances happening to me a person who observes basic he doesn't say these kind of words and he even persecutes and banishes these kinds of thoughts why is this happening because we're in the hands of God that's why this is happening and those who love God understand that all things work for the good this has happened in order to bring us to a certain good therefore the church must be tested every building must be tested and if it is not tested here on earth there will come the day of of trial day of testing and you know Right now, this is the great goodness of God, the mercy to be tested. Because having been tested, 
this person will receive the crown of glory that is imperishable. Otherwise, his crown, this visible crown, a person th- thought that he had a visible crown on his head. And I, at some point, also thought that I felt a crown on me, but all of a sudden, then I see it fall away off my head, and I thought, what a good thing that this happened in time, because at the last moment, can you imagine if you approach God, and this crown falls off your head, and that's it, it disappears, and you thought yourself to be so so lofty and so mighty, but in fact, we're not so. The fifth conditional requirement, yielding the worthy partaking of Pesach, is a necessity to be girded with a sash. Our mind must be renewed. To be girded, he who has girded his mind with the truth, not with interpretation, not with opinion, but with truth. This is the true renewal of the mind of a person. This is condition or the requirement that yields the worthy partaking of Pesach is a necessity to have shoes on one's feet. And as it is written, you are the salt of the earth. If salt loses its uh, flavor how shall you you make it <laughs> we heard many times that we are called to be to preach those that good news where we are to season that sphere that atmosphere that place that place of responsibility where we are found and you know of course salt sometimes sometimes not all like salt But the holiness of God, which we are called to reveal, it is so. The wicked don't like salt. They have lost it, and this causes them to have envy, hatred. We are called to season that place, having put shoes on our feet to be ready to preach good news to the world. And Pastor constantly clarifies for us that we should not preach to the world, but to preach peace. And this is a big difference. People misinterpret it for themselves, those who are uh, distorted in their mind. Other preachers, they interpret it incorrectly. And they say, we are called to preach to the world. And they're not... able to read the word of God correctly and they distort it. They say we must go out into the world and preach and as oftentimes we see we see people go out to then go preach those that are not experienced and then there's calamity. We are called to preach the peace of God but in the peace of God there is no peace to the wicked. This is the kind of peace of God that there exists. There's no peace of the flesh peace to the flesh, peace to the sinners. The repenting sinners, yes, but he who sins and does not repent, there is no peace to him. In this requirement, we are called to demonstrate. And the seventh condition that yields the worthy partaking of Pesach is the need to have a staff in our hands. And I will remember, we have already talked about this. To eat the Pesach with a staff in our hand means that we control or have dominion over ourselves. A staff is a symbol of authority, and to hold it in our hands means that it is not the staff that controls us, but we control it. It is not our soul that controls us. We don't behave ourselves as our soul wishes. We control it, and in order to control it, it is necessary for us to understand the essence of the soul. And the essence of the soul, we understand when. 
when we, according to the will of and direction of God, this precious soul that we love, that is more precious to us than all in this life, take a look as it says, he who wants to follow me, let him hate his mother, father, precious valuable things we might consider in our life. Let him leave his children. People say, wow, this is impossible. People who meet with these words, they say, I, no, 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 I can't. I want to want, I want eternal life, but in order for me to do this, I can't, I can't fathom. But of course, they don't understand what this means. They're scared of these words. And then it also says, and you must despise your whole life. And he who does not despise cannot be my disciple. And this word is not meant to those who have just been born again. There has to be, the flock has to go far into the wilderness. Someone who is dedicated, loving God, who searches for God. And then God says, if you truly want to follow after me, if you want to be my disciple, and if you want to dedicate yourself fully and become my body, my bride, my essence, and to become one with me, and to share all of eternity with me, then cast your soul. When a person casts it, then all of a sudden he, this all of a sudden we see the serpent. Now God teaches us take it by the tail, and to take this and to hold a staff in our hand is this revelation of control, understanding what our soul is according to its essence and how we must grasp onto it through our proclamations. Everything is boisterous all around. Everything is destructed in, in ruins. And it seems one more step or one more second and I'm going to perish. And in this moment, a person begins to proclaim, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have redeemed me. And then all of a sudden, the sun rises, the birds begin to sing, the stars shine, everything goes to life. And the staff is found in our hands. And we must hold it. And he says, now this is no longer your soul. This is the staff of God. With it, you will create signs and wonders, meaning God will create and do signs and wonders in your life. And eighth, the eighth condition, which we are going to stop to study today, this is to eat the lamb fully baked in fire. We should note right away that the fulfillment of the seven previous requirements already transformed a person if we have fulfilled all of this then we've already become like the lamb we have resembled him we've done a lot already and now look we have three more conditions to fulfill through observance of Pesach a person has become deeply rich inside in this open to him the worthy partaking of the Pesach lamb or the legal entrance into the inheritance of the Pesach of the Lord. Before this, if we think we've fulfilled something, but you know, we fulfilled it. God has taught us and he has given us this authority and mercy and now we must affirm it. We affirm that which we have accepted, that which we walk in and that which we apply in our life. Exodus 12, verses 8 through 9. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire. You know, the time is very short. As Pastor Daniel, we hear lately, he's been saying, the time is flying, and that's what Scripture tells us. We hear this continually, sometimes we forget, but in fact, time is so short. 
and all of this we need to have time to do in this very night we should bake it all and everything must be eaten the night passes and then day comes the thousand year millennium kingdom comes and time is going uh, time is very short do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water but roasted in fire its head with its legs and its entrails it is interesting to note here and pastor had had noted this for us that the entrails should not have been eaten this is not what is referred to this was referring to the kidneys the liver the heart not the intestines we already know fully well that worthy partaking of Pesach or rather entering into the inheritance of the Pesach of the Lord was the literal acceptance of Christ inside of our essence which in practice makes us capable of searching for God having knowledge of God in order to place ourselves in Christ to us is open the great riches of our capability to know God to be filled with him to become one with him through partaking to this Pesach and as a result to offer fruit of the Spirit that is called to be expressed in declaring the perfection of him who has called us from darkness into his wonderful light in the time and limits that he has presented for us so is it true that in this flesh in this decaying body in this having this old man in us can we declare perfection yes first peter 2 9 but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light perfection is in the fact that when we are found in this body when we are found in this body that might be sick that might be in ruins that might be in a very uh, disparaging state but a person says i know that my redeemer leaves this is the perfection that is in it you know i was thinking all things are going well with me that i shall not be shaken but you have hidden my face and i was found in doubt you know perfection is revealed when it is very difficult when everything is extremely difficult something happens that ought not to have happened when we are tossed to and fro in the wind but god said i will make your foundation upon the ruins upon sapphire i will make it i will make you in such a way but you you cannot find any comfort you are tossed to and fro but you find it because there is there is comfort in god Pesach in the face of Jesus Christ as well as eating of the Pesach becomes, still remains a great mystery, great sanctification and a great stumbling for some people and a great hope for nations. And this is the richness that is uncovered in it. Isaiah chapter 8 verses 14 through 15. He will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel as a trap and the snare you remember there's two sides why two houses of israel yes there were israel and judah but the people of god are separated into two this is religiousness or ascetism and on the other hand the opposite of it if a person doesn't go out to the center 
doesn't end up on the path of truth that is found before these two polar opposites, take a look at what will happen to him. He will be as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many of them shall stumble. They shall fall and be broken, be snared and taken. Not many find the narrow gate, many walk the wide path, many are found in these two polar opposites, because they don't want to pay a price, because they have not loved the Lord, and they will stumble. They will fall and be broken, be snared and be taken. In his time, when Jesus had tried to uncover this mystery about his purpose, then not only was he met with the misunderstanding of the religious elite of Israel, but a multitude of his disciples uh, were also confused and had left him. John chapter 6, verses 53 through 68. It's a long place of scripture, but we will read it. That Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and die in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. And many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, it would have been better for them to be quiet because they didn't understand and they were begin to be angered. They began to speak out against it. You know, sometimes sometimes there's a thought that can cause doubt, but we don't need to speak it out loud. We need to wait. They begin to say, this is a hard saying. Who could understand it? And take a look, many of his disciples went away and no longer were with him. They just then began to miss church services. You know how dangerous, they don't understand something. And then they began to miss services, and then, maybe not right away, but after some time, they stop. They begin to be separated. This snare began to grab them and take them away from the church. When Jesus turned to the twelve, he said, Do you also want to leave? Simon Peter had answered him, Lord, who do we go to? Where else can we find this word? We can't find it anywhere else. It's impossible. You have the words of eternal life. God has placed this into your heart. You are speaking these words. You have these words, these words of life. Where else can we go? To eat the lamb as a whole was actually the first commandment that man received in the Garden of Eden. But in that moment, this lamb was expressed, or rather represented as the fruit of every tree that has been planted by God in the Garden of Eden, Eden that represented the promises of God in Christ Jesus. Genesis 2.16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of life, tree of the garden you may freely eat. I remember when I became a member of this church and then I had come across people where I used to go before 
people don't eat unclean food according to the law of Moses as they think and, and they say well you've probably already started eating unclean food they ask me you don't fulfill the law and you're eating unclean food they say I said I am fulfilling the law and I was a bit and teasing them a little bit uh, they say pastor teaching you you can eat everything you want I said he's teaching us what it says in scripture well what do you mean they say and I say and I say well he preaches every pure bird you may eat and I there's just a list uh, ten different things ravens and other things that could not have been eaten the rest he says eat and I said, you see, you're not taught how to observe the law. Let's read as the law sounds, I said. You, this 99% of the law that sounds, it sounds like this. Every pure bird you may eat. This is repeated numerous times. And I heard how Pastor was explaining this, and I took this troop and truth, and they didn't understand. They were ignorant. And I told them, look, when I was in Russia, there was more than 250 different small wild birds that the hunters went and shot, and they could be listed. And I and I asked of, of a certain bird, when was the last time you ate this kind of bird? And they're like, never. And and it, I'd go, it says in the Bible, you have to eat of every single bird except for so forth and so forth. And now you're telling me that I'm defiled, but you are pure. However, you have not eaten of this other particular bird that is clean. And I said, go tell those who have taught you how to observe Pesach correctly. And this is what my pastor had told me. And so every clean bird you may eat. For a person to be able to eat the fruit of every tree. And you know, I had nagged them a little bit. I teased them, but I was... I just understood that they didn't understand everything. I have never eaten a raven. What? That means that I have become righteous. But you've not eaten a raven. I haven't. And so what from this? I also haven't eaten other various kinds of birds. But this meaning that is contained for a person to be able to eat of the tree of the garden and doing so on one hand to fulfill the commandment given to him by God and thus to turn the favor of God upon himself. I will remind you that we are talking about how we must eat the whole lamb fully. We must eat him fully. And on the other hand, to eat the fruit of the tr every tree of the garden means to fulfill our calling and in doing so, to fulfill the needs that God has contained in it. And in order to eat of the fruit of every tree of the garden, the person had to fulfill three commandments that would give him the right to legal relations with God. First, this was to till the guard, the land of the Garden of Eden to protect what has been planted. And third, to not draw near the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2, 7-17 And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life. And man became a living being. And God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. And God said, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, this is your calling. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for the day in which you will eat of it, eat of it you shall die. Observance of three commandments gave a person the right to inherit all the fruit of the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden, in which a person met with God and God met with a person, represented the spirit born of God, which was called to be the place of worship to God, the place of communication with God, and the place of knowledge of God. Because outside of Christ and independent of Christ, worship to God cannot occur. So, apart from the church, Christ reveals himself in the church. He does not reveal himself outside. All that Christ does, he does it through the church so that it may be made known the great wisdom of God. All of this wisdom is multifaceted. All the trees of the Garden of Eden for them to become accessible and so for the angels to see the beauty of these trees and these wonderful fruits. Because outside of Christ and independent of Christ, there can't be worship to God. True worshipers, John 4.23 But the hour is coming when true worshipers worship God in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Without having knowledge of truth and our partaking to the body of Christ, which is the true Garden of Eden and a place of worship, a person will never be able to eat of the Pesach worthily and will read it will eat of it in judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, as it is written in first Corinthians eleven, twenty nine to thirty. For he who eats eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judge him to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. A very sorrowful picture, but in this is also the mercy of God. It is sorrowful that people did not come to achieve the riches that is contained in the observance of Pesach. Based on the fact that to eat the lamb baked in fire means to discern the body of the Lord, we must understand what the body of Christ is. We will define what it means to discern and understand. Otherwise, we will not be able to discern or rather understand about the body of the Lord if we don't understand the meaning that is contained in it, that is in the rank of a commandment, that the fulfillment of which will reflect if we turn our, will affect if we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. Job 34 verses 1 through 4. Elihu, this is a person who represented the image of God. There were three friends, Job and Elihu, who had appeared. He said, Hear my words, you wise men. Give ear to me, you who have knowledge. For the ear tests words as the palate tastes food. Let us choose justice for ourselves. Let us know among ourselves what is good. Urim and Thummim. According to these ancient words, those that are discerning before 
in Hebrew, those that discerned are those that were taught, understanding the order that moves within the body of Christ. However, the multifunctionality, defining a person who is discerning, is so great that there needs to be mentioned some of the definitions of the word discern, as our pastor says. It has a deep meaning contained in this word. And we, hearing this, hearing this word, remembering it, and penetrating into the depths of these words, we begin to penetrate into the depths of this lamb. Because to eat the entrails is to penetrate deep into the into the depth. There is the image of the lamb, and there was that, that which is on it superficially. Our goal is to go penetrate so we don't just eat the outside the head the legs but also the entrails everything that is inside we must penetrate deeply discerning is one who has knowledge knowledgeable understanding the order these are not infants these are not those that are swayed by all kinds of winds of teaching they are spiritual they are those that are taught by god they're disciples they are those that are found in the order of the body of Christ, those that have been known by God and those that know God. The Lord has known. This is a seal upon these people. The Lord knows those who are His. Those that search for God, let Him who is holy be holy still. Those who search God, they are those who have acknowledged the truth. They are those that worship God, that call upon God, that ponder upon their path, that walk prudently every time we go into the house of God. We look at what mood we're going with, what kind of heart. Do do we go with desire? Remember we talked about how we must enter into the house of God in such a way so that we come to listen. This means to throw away our theology and our own opinion. As Jacob had said, truly the Lord is in his place, but I had not known. People say, I've gone to this church for 20 years, and I did not know, but God was present so strongly when a person has found out how God is present. And before coming here, He's going to ponder upon his path. Discerning are those who listen to God, who understand to righteousness, who distinguish good from evil and the voice of God from other voices. Those who know the truth anointed by the Holy Spirit. Those who do not have these capabilities that are verified by a person dwelling into the order of God cannot establish among themselves any kind of discernment that could be a standard according to which they could discern of the body of Christ. So then all that are going to discern how they see fit. And not long ago, perhaps eight years ago, I had to, I was at service and one preacher I was asked, and then I went to that church, and the preacher decided to 
show the wittiness of his mind and he said, I've heard many different interpretations, 15, 20, but I want to present to you one more interpretation that came to me. And I closed my ear right away. As soon as I heard this, I, I took a whiff of it. And then afterwards, I, I was approached and people said, how do you like this preacher? I thought, abominable. Well, why? I was asked. I want a foundation. He is a servant. He is a deacon. I said, well, I'm sorry. You asked me how I how I thought of it, and that's that's my response. And I, I think I hit him like a hammer in the head, and he's... But I had simply, at least in the very beginning, had heard, and Pastor teaches us that this is coming from someone's own intellect. This is a new version, and that's how he said it. He said, I want to present one more version. The mercy of God teaches us that this order, the body of Christ, yields the role of a disciple and teacher and builds the relations between a disciple and teacher sent by God for this teacher. A teacher that would be clothed in the dignity of a father and would teach the disciple as his son. Proverbs 5, 1-2 through My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. In order to keep knowledge, it is necessary, or rather to keep discerning, it is necessary to be the son of a father or to know whom God placed this delegated fatherhood. Because in order to discern of the body of Christ, is the wisdom of the Father that is necessary to incline our ear to. In Hebrew, to understand is understanding is judgment, justice, justification, righteousness, the correct work. Take a look at the broad specter of the meaning of these this word understanding. It is definition, portion, lot, inheritance, anointed, rich, flourishing, great, and clothed in glory. In order for a person of God to be able to establish this kind of understanding between him and his relationship to the body of Christ, it is necessary for him to show in his faith, uh, to show in his faith knowledge that comes from his virtue, which is called to depict the state of his heart. Second Peter 1.5 But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge. Knowledge is the mind of Christ. Knowledge, vision, understanding, whereas virtue shows a person's faith of God, which in fact is wisdom in the rank of knowledge, called to be established in order to discern the body of Christ, which is the bride of the Lamb. The body of Christ is not quite the gathering of Christians. They are those that are chosen, those out of those that are saved. The body, 
these are is filled with those that tremble before the word and that live that live within the as we had heard they move with one soul one member rejoices all rejoice if one mourns the rest mourn these are people that are united and this is the body virtue is the, sh- is the expressor of the faith of God Virtue. Uh, virtue also means meant to death, or rather all of that which I am tied to on this earth. Because while I still have my own understanding, my own interests, my own vision, my own interpretations, and my own opinions, we can't even speak about the body of Christ at all. It is a moral per- virtue is a moral perfection. It is a superseding quality, nobility, unearthly love, thanksgiving, and the patience of Christ. This is what virtue is, according to Scripture. To see the dependence of the faith of God with wisdom and knowledge that represents the mind of Christ in our spirit, I will provide one more place of Scripture that will serve as affirmation to this concept of what it means to discern about the body of the Lord in order to worthily partake of the Pesach feast. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion, knowledge will preserve you, understanding will keep you, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the path, who leave the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Proverbs two ten through thirteen. The reason why certain people are swayed by different kinds of people or different wife is the fact that they did not allow wisdom to enter into their heart for the very reason that they refused to accept the person through whom this wisdom was offered. And so, returning to the commandments that was given in the Garden of Eden, to eat of the tree of, uh, to the, to eat of every tree and to eat the lamb fully. It was necessary to till the land of our spirit, or rather, to prepare ourselves to hearing and immediately fulfilling that which God will say. We need to define what the church is, who is the church, and what is God's order, and God, how God passes along His word for our restoration and for our salvation in Christ. Ecclesiastes 5.1 Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. The congregation of saints, those who have been born by the resurrection of Jesus Christ to a new life, is the house of God, in which God dwells, in which God speaks, and in which we can know God, in which we can be fertilized by the seed of of His Word. And so, to till the land of the Garden of Eden for accepting the seed in the soil of our heart, in practice means to wait, to, dis- to, to desire, and to be ready to be immediately fulfilling of the word that we hear. I, th- I know and I see that this is quality is evident in us. That which I see in myself and that which is, it is that which I see in saints. In saints in our cell group, you meet with people uh, like even close, close even if we go out to the park, we go together, and you see a person has this already. And it is wonderful 
uh, desirable and holy and it fills with joy. It comforts and it presents a kind of joy to the heart where you understand that we are close, that He has already given this to us, He has grown it in us, and it is in us. It must be affirmed right now. And then this sheaf can be uh, harvested. The barley is taken, and we know that the barley harvest, it can be To prepare, once, to prepare the Garden of Eden is not just to prepare ourselves for hearing the word, but also to water the word that we have heard. From which it follows that planting the trees of the Garden of Eden differs from the origin of the trees that were found outside of the territory of the Garden. The Lord has risen us to life. He has risen the minerals. He has risen the earth. He has created every creation but here for tilling the garden is a mutual work when a person grows and he makes the decision and he enters and he finds the narrow gates he enters into this order of God there he begins to grow and there is an active collaboration with God in preparing the soil. As we know, Adam had worked hard. This was satisfaction for him. And he very seriously labored together with God. Well, people say, well, I'm working right now. I'm, I'm tired. I don't have enough sleep. And <laughs> some might think, when I'm in heaven, I'll get enough sleep and I will simply just rest. Turns out, no, we will need to work. We'll need to continue to work. Not long ago, we had heard, pastor had told us, our pastor Daniel, we will, it turns out that we will, we will work in heaven. Because the trees and all that grew, the land according to the word of God, was created before land was created. And God did not have sovereign relations yet with man. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 to 13. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Whereas the trees of the Garden of Eden first were planted by God in the seventh day, rather after the creation of man, when a person, according to the word of God, uh, became, began to have dominion over the earth. Genesis 2, 7-8. through 8. We know this truth, and we are affirming it right now. We are affirming in it. We, with memory, we are uh, affirmed in it. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Thus, all the trees of the Garden of Eden, including the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, were planted completely in different circumstances in a different manner, specifically when the sovereign relations of God with man were already stepped into power. And God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle. 
This was a lot that God could no longer do anything without man after his creation. Therefore, coinciding with this, we understand in the revelation of God that is given to us that God had created together with Adam. And we know that we have been born of God. Perhaps somewhere even in a different church, I grew scared. I found out that I, uh, loving God, thought, I thought pa- Pastor would make me do bapt- have baptism again. The pastor said, well, why? You've already been baptized. I said, I thought I would need to do it again. He said, no, you don't need to. God has given birth to you. Do you love God? I love God. And then a person having found out, I need to plant the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And right now we're going to understand how it is planted. From these words it follows that now all of that God which intends, that all of that which God intends to grow on the earth, it is necessary for him to consider the sovereign rights of a person whom he created as dominion over the earth. And therefore, in order to plant and grow the trees of the Garden of Eden, God, it was necessary for God to receive not just the agreement of man for this, but also his participation. God then no longer did anything without the participation of man. And this means one thing, that planting and growing the trees of the Garden of Eden is the mutual collaboration of God with man under irrefutable requirements established by God. And therefore, in order to eat the lamb fully in the subject of the fruits of every tree of the garden, a First, it was necessary for a person to accept the lamb in the soul of his heart in the subject of the planted seed of the word of truth, as written, Matthew 13, 18, and 23. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces. A person has heard the word, accepted it, he understands it, and it is he who understands who brings fruit. And we constantly hear the commandment of the Lord, in this fruit, we become fruitful from that knowledge, or rather from that level of knowledge that makes us fruitful, or the commandment of God moves in our life according to the measure of our knowledge of this commandment. And so this kind of work on the territory of the Garden of Eden to both plant and accept in ourselves the seed of word and then to till, to grow, and to keep this planting so that it could receive bring fruit is the mutual work of God and man. And of course, this whole process occurring in the soul of our spirit, all of this is tied to the proclamation of that which we believe. And therefore, the action of the proclamation of the faith of our heart is eating the lamb fully in which is contained the promise of every tree in the eating of our spirit. Fulfilling the perfect will of God is comprised of, of, of proclaiming the faith of our heart and consequently proclaiming the faith of our heart is the will of God and food of our spirit. God says, call the inexistent as existent. Do not call it as you had called it before. As one person, he works with me. Whenever I ask him, I say, well, how are you doing? He says, eh, it's fine, I'm fine. I say to him, well, what is this? And that's how his life is. It's barely, barely hanging on. And I said, well, look, you're not thinking correctly. Look. And I observe, and I continue to observe him. And I think, I don't know if he respects me as a Christian person, or sometimes in conversation, I see he begins to ask questions. And I say, 
Don't say I'm fine because then this is going to be for you all of life. Say I'm doing wonderful. He says, Dima, well, that's not so. And I said, Will you, by the faith of your heart, well, God has given us life and blessing, begin to speak. Next time I come, I say, how are you doing? He says, good. <laughs> I see his eyes are shining. I say, wonderful. And we don't know who these people are until the end, but perhaps this is one of those people where the time will come and God says, I have found for myself 7,000. They had not worshipped before Baal. Who, who knows? We don't know until the very end who these people, who these people are. Jesus said, "My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work." And so we, uh, we in summary looked at the principles and the foundation of which are called to occur relations between man and God, and God and man. We accept the seed. We begin to proclaim. We see these relations with God in which we are called to worthily partake of the Pesach lamb. This is the tilling of the land, the process of which includes the preparation of the soul of our heart and accepting the seed in the fruit of the Spirit. The next one is to protect our Eden from entrance from any kind of foreign thoughts. And so to protect the land of the Garden of Eden and the subject of our heart means to protect the door of our lips. And here it is very important. To never allow any kind of word of unbelief to escape from our lips because it is Satan who tries to penetrate through these. And if, even if we have released them, we must call them back. Any kinds of words of doubt, unbelief, we must remove them. And in such a way to return, God has taught us to do this according to His mercy. We must observe that which we proclaim with our lips or what kind of seed we sow through the faith of our heart and proclamation of our lips. Because whatever kind of seed we sow, and there was one moment during the pandemic, and I called pastor during this moment, and it was such a difficult circumstance that I said, Marina, I'm going to talk with pastor, be nearby and write everything down. Because this is so critically important that I will need to fulfill everything that he says. The circumstance was difficult and I don't know how to solve it in life. And I, I don't want to miss anything. And I need to fulfill this commandment fully, 100%. Marina was with her her phone, and I turned on Pastor, and I began to tell him my circumstance. And and it's as if I had sp spoken words, and then all of a sudden understood that what I was saying was incorrect, and I stopped. And a Pastor in that moment understood understood and began to instruct me and praise God that we have this we have people who can stop us and we have enough humility and understanding to listen and to stop in that place and to not say anything further as Job said I spoke and now nothing now I will listen and will exactly fulfill as God's man tells me to because whatever kind of word we sow, that kind of seed we accept in the soil of our heart. And the true watchman of the Garden of Eden, there has to be a watchman. This is the planting and growing of the tree of knowledge of good and evil under one condition. You know, the tree of knowledge of good and evil points to the authority. 
when we acknowledge authority. And we know that to acknowledge the authority of God and those people sent by God is the root of immortality. It is life and death, this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that unfaithful servant, remember, which you read about, I knew you as a stiff person. He he draw, drew near the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He ate of it, and he and he had known evil. He, he said, I knew you were a stiff person. That's how I n- had known you. He was met with the holiness of God, and this appeared evil to him, because he couldn't hold on to this balance. There is goodness and the severity of God, and we are between it. And we have the ability through planting this kind of tree and through growing this kind of tree in ourselves and we do not eat of it we grow it in ourselves and the fruits we offer to the Lord under one condition that despite the fact that we partake in its planting and growing we must not draw near it or eat of it because it despite the fact that it is in our control belongs to God and symbolically the true knowledge of good and evil represents tithes this is symbolically. In fact, in reality, what does this represent? The knowledge of the acceptance of the authority of God. When I say, what do I do? And he says, you must do this and this. What do we do? So when a person presents himself in humility and obedience to the preached word of the man of God, you know, there is an objective calling for each one, and there is a subjective will of God for each of us. This also points to when we say, as you tell me, I will do so. As you tell me, I will do this. Whatever this might be for me, we give this authority to define good and evil. And the man of God says, this is good and this is evil. Therefore, don't do this. Do this instead in this case. And then I no longer have to guess. And then I no longer... Uh, the tree has already grown because I already know that there is an exact truth that is contained here. The tree of knowledge of good and evil represents tithes that are earned by have been earned by us but do not belong to us. Therefore, a person who withholds his tithes or who directs them as he wishes, however much he wants, where he wants, will eat and drink Pesach in judgment to himself. And now, having before us the image of the Pesach lamb and the subject of every tree of the Garden of Eden, let us look at the order or the instruction, how it was called to be eaten fully. And we will look at what parts of the lamb Scripture mentions and what it means by its parts. From these instructions or requirements that are written in Exodus chapter 12, verses 8 through 9, Scripture gives us four disciplines that define the requirements about how to eat the lamb fully roasted in fire. First, it shall not be eaten raw. Second, the head should be eaten, the length, the legs should be eaten, and the entrails or the insides should be eaten. If we partake in communion but we do not understand these requirements then as a result we will not be capable of fulfilling them because of which we will eat the basic of the Lord unworthily and we will drink it in judgment to oneself having been clothed in illnesses whatever I command you be careful to observe you shall not add to it nor take away from it follow the words exactly Deuteronomy 12 32 
Another place of scripture, Revelation 22:18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. Sometimes we hear about ulcers, about leprosy, about those lambs that cannot be with ulcers placed as a sacrifice when someone includes the distortions of his mind. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, from the things which are written in this book. What does scripture mean when it says, do not eat of it raw? To not eat the lamb raw is lack of maturity. Someone who has not been tested for their faithfulness. We've already talked about this, James 1.12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, from whom he has been approved or tested. He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Someone who has not been tempted and has not gone through, uh, through a test cannot be called faithful. The crown of life is the worthy partaking of the pace of the Lord that opens in our body the life of Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. The revealing of the life of Jesus in our body is the acceptance upon our head, the crown of life, which is the result of our dwelling in the death of Jesus. The more will be, or the deeper will be the level of our immersion into the death of Jesus, the greater and wider will be His life in our body. This is a kind of astonishing truth. Sometimes we say, I am enduring death, or I don't feel, I am feeling some kind of pressure, I am feeling some kind of heaviness, burden, it is painful for me. I don't know. Everything before my eyes is darkened. I'm lost, and it's good that we are lost. You know, it's easier for us to 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 be regula- regulated to uh, to conduct sanctification. And when you feel that you are so smart, I feel that this is correct. I feel that that is that. Well, how can you be how can you be sanctified if you yourself feeling all this? But when you no longer feeling anything, when the life of Jesus comes then this is going to be a kind of burst in our body when he comes to be glorified in his saints. So we hear that this is soon. We are so very soon that this something like this will happen. And he was hidden and glory will come. Right now we are in this ash. We are like Pastor had explained to us. In this death, in this tomb, and someone might say, oh, everything is good for me. God is good. The life of Jesus is in me. They might say, the life of Jesus, it is ready to be revealed in the end times. And we have drawn to this time. To eat the head, the next one. To eat the head means to uh, represent, or rather accept the delegated authority of God. There is an order in the church. Everyone knows whom to listen to, who to ask, where to go. A person asks me and he says, calls me and says, Dima, we for now are not going to go to cell group, we're going to go to a different one. I says, I say, wonderful. When I hear a person call and say, you know, this is wonderful, he takes, we are all under one banner. 
but there is the order of God along which we are called to move. I want to go to that cell group, and I then go and begin to go, you know, this isn't correct. This is not a blessing for the body. When a person has called, I thought, oh, what a blessed family, what a blessed brother. He will be successful in God. This cell group is good. The different time that they gather, that's great for him. And there is the correct relocation in the order of God. Acknowledging and submitting to the delegated authority is to eat the head of the lamb, to accept the delegated authority. This makes our proclamations legitimate, giving God the opportunity to be our shield and our defense. Psalms 91, 2. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If our proclamation is legitimate, then we proclaim before God whom He is. Then in doing so, we eat the head of the Lamb, and in this manner we give God the opportunity to be our fortress and our trust. Our time is drawing to a close, so I will go quickly. To eat the legs of the Lamb means to be to walk by faith and not by sight and to be led by the Holy Spirit, to be led by the, the Word of God and the proclamation. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And this means to lay our trust and to focus not on what we see in the physical world or in our physical body, but that which we did not see and that which we know based on the revelation of the written Word which we have accepted. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Second Corinthians 5, 7. The next, to eat the insides of the lamb. To eat the insides of the lamb means to penetrate with our spirit through the Holy Spirit into the to the depths of God because the insides of the lamb is the image of the depths of God. To be found in the depths of God is to be found in the inaccessible light, which that which is found there in this inaccessible light cannot be, cannot be known through the physical capabilities of man. Eye has not seen nor ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love Him. And we can penetrate into the depths of God. Sometimes it's difficult to explain this, but we can penetrate into these. And Pastor says, there are components that we can express. First, one of the components says that despite the fact that we have inherited death from Adam as retribution for sin, God in Christ Jesus placed on our account the inheritance of eternal life. This is that which is find in the, found in the inside, insides, and this is in, in us, on our account, and we are rich with faith, and this is real, a realistic checkbook. This is a, a realistic account that we understand the greatness of God and the rich riches of God which He has placed in us, which He will reveal further. And these are the insides and in our insides as well. The next component tells us that irregardless of the law of Moses that gives power to sin and God in Christ Jesus has placed on our account the gift of justification according through faith in Christ Jesus. Romans 3, 19-24 the next component tells us that in God in Christ Jesus placed on our account freedom from nationality 
and social origin. Independence he has given to us, Galatians 3.28. The next component tells us that God in Christ Jesus placed on our account freedom from the law of sin and death. Romans 8.1-2 And he has placed this on our account. The next component tells us that God in Christ Jesus has placed on our account the abundant riches of grace, Ephesians 2, 6-7. The next component tells us that God in Christ Jesus placed on our account all spirit, all kinds of spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1, 3. And the next component tells us that God in Christ Jesus placed on our account resurrection from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. As in Adam all die, in Christ all shall be made alive. And of course, this list could be continued, and that which God reveals to us through the Holy Spirit, that which He has revealed to us, that God intends to clothe our bodies in the resurrection of Christ. This also is found in inside, and the majority of Christians don't know this, they don't celebrate or observe this basic, don't understand what it means to eat the basic with all of its entrails, because they don't live according to it, because they're not of the flesh, not of the bones. They don't tremble before this word and that which is happening in the bride, in the redeemed remnant of God. Therefore, they can't eat of it, they can't know it, but we do know it. And therefore, we will thank God for that which He has given us, and He has given us this promise that is ready to be revealed, as we had heard very soon. We will thank God for this mercy. We will pray together. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We thank you for your greatness. We thank you for the riches of your goodness. We thank you for this place upon which you have placed our feet. Lord, it is you who has brought each of us into this place. We were as sheep that were lost. We had looked for this voice, we desired to be in your order. But even with our mind, not knowing this fully, in the depths of our soul, we had desired for this. We had searched for this, and you had revealed this divine order for us. This fullness that fills all in all. You have revealed to us the promise of the of our being clothed into the new man. And you said that when it comes and be fulfilled, we will no longer ask of anything. We will understand everything will be in its place. We will rejoice in that day. We wait for this day. We know that it is near, and you have revealed this to us. We thank you, and we proclaim, let your kingdom come. Let this day come of which you have preached to your servants, your prophets, and have revealed through your messenger. You have given us those who listen, your servants who have accepted. He who reads, the person whom you have selected to be your messenger and apostle, so that he can pass along these words to us. We have accepted them and are growing them in our heart. And when we are ready, Lord, you will not tarry. You will renew and clothe our bodies in the resurrection of Christ. Allow us to fulfill that, that word and that commandment and to be affirmed in that word which you have proclaimed in, in our ears. 
We thank you for this mercy. We rejoice in your word as those who have found great riches. We thank you for our pastor, Brother Arkady. May he be blessed there where he is. May his body be blessed. May it be raised. May it be clothed in the resurrection of Christ. May upon him be the immeasurable abundance of your mer- of your mercy. May our hearts rejoice. May our souls rejoice. And our joy, let it be filled when we see him in health and when your victory appears in the life of your saints and when all of your words are fulfilled which we have accepted with the depth of our heart and have trusted in you and have gone after you. Let us be a good soil that grows this tree of the kingdom of heaven and brings fruit. And you allow us to eat of this precious manna and we thank you for your mercy to come and come and touch the and penetrate into the insides of the lamb almighty god father son and holy spirit amen our father hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. By yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And let us conclude with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.